not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. This man strives valiantly, and who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Today is a day to dare greatly. Hey everyone, welcome to Football Sunday 2019. I'm Benjamin Watson, and in a few hours, the largest single sporting event of the year will be played in Atlanta. But in the next few minutes I get to spend with you, you'll hear some amazing and inspirational stories from NFL players and their wives. You'll also hear from some of the men who are playing in today's game. I've been in the league for 15 years, and I played on four different teams. I know these guys. I know that every man on every team has gone all out all year long. Coaches, players, trainers, everyone. And today, they'll take it to another level. This is a game where every player goes all out, and that's because they're all in. And by the end of the day, one team will walk away with the Lombardi Trophy. That reward we worked towards since we were kids with big dreams playing at the local field. It's going to be a great day, and I'm so glad you've chosen to be here with us, right here, right now. Welcome to Football Sunday 2019. There's a certain electricity, there's a certain energy about L.A. that I think is different than most parts in the world. Just the atmosphere is, is amazing as well. I mean, you know what they say, it don't rain in Southern California. The fans are absolutely amazing. They always come in full force and they're just screaming as loud as they possibly can. City of just love, just people, family for me. Uh, really, just this is home base. This is where I grew up. L.A. is awesome. The weather's perfect. You know, the people here are, are very welcoming. I mean, it's such a blessing to be in this position. You know, this is something I've dreamt of since I was a little boy. So to get the opportunity to go play in a Super Bowl, play for the Lombardi Trophy is incredible. love it up here. Um, you know, this has been an awesome community to be a part of, and uh, you know, the winters are a little tough, though. The area as a whole, I mean, freezing. <laughs> it's cold. I mean, you know, we have great fans, great place to play. Um, not only are we teammates, but we're friends as well, and you see it by, you know, guys really digging into each other's lives. When I first got here, I was super surprised at how many believers in Jesus we have on the team, and it's a blessing to be here. And we're so excited and, and humbled and, and just thankful for having this experience. So we want to try to make the most of it. From his days in high school to playing at an elite college and finally making it to the NFL, Kirk Cousins continues to defy expectations. Kirk is that guy you want in your corner. This is his story. I remember one time in third grade, a, a kid came over as we were just playing catch innocently. He just came over. He said, 
you really throw the football well. And I said, oh, thanks, man. He said, no, no, no. You really throw the football well. And I thought, oh, okay. Played my very first varsity game my junior year of high school, and I knew that this was a big year for recruiting. So I knew that I needed to play well to have a chance to play in college. And in the very first quarter of the very first game of my very first varsity season, I got hit on my left side and, and broke my ankle. And I remember driving back from the hospital with a cast on my ankle. And there were tears in my eyes, and I called my dad and I said, Dad, because I'm going to miss this season, it means that I can't play in college. The dream is over, if you will, to play in college. And my dad said, Kirk, you don't know that. Uh, think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your steps. At that moment, as a 17-year-old junior in high school, I made Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 my life verse. And um, from that moment on, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust Him and let Him sort out the rest. year and a half ago, I said it would be impossible to play college football, and now I'm signing a full scholarship to have college paid for to play for a school that would have been my dream school all along. You know, that was only the beginning, and yet at that time, I thought that alone uh, teaches me what it means to walk by faith and how big God is, and yet God said, Kirk, I I haven't done anything yet. I'm going to take you on a journey here. Just keep trusting me. The night before the draft, my dad sat our family down and he read from 1 Samuel 16, where David is anointed king. And he said, this passage has the feel of a draft because Samuel goes to the home of Jesse and he says, bring out your sons from your sons will be the next king. Well, he goes through the the first and he says, surely this must be the one. I mean, he looks the part. And the, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, no, he's not the one. And then he goes through each one. And he goes through seven. And the Lord says no to all of them. And so Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any other sons? Because the Lord said, the seven you brought to me are not it. He said, well, I have one more, David. He's out in the field. I didn't even think he was in the running. So David, he said, bring him. So David's brought before Samuel. Samuel sees him and the Lord says, that's the one. And my dad's point to me was, Kirk, There's a lot of outward appearance looking going on right now around the NFL with the draft, and there will be going forward. Ultimately, as you've seen through your upbringing, the Lord directs your steps. The Lord has his hand on your life, and the Lord is not looking at the outward appearance. The Lord is looking at the heart. My dad came over and he said, Kirk, do you know what number quarterback you were? And I said, no, I I don't. I said, I know there's usually 10 or 11 that get picked in the draft every year. He said, you were the eighth quarterback. He said, we read 1 Samuel 16 two nights ago, and David was the eighth son of Jesse. He said, I think the Lord is speaking to you. He's saying, Kirk, I have my hand on your life. When you fly to Washington, just trust me that I've got the next year, two, three, four, whatever it may be, under my control. probably had more where are you God moments than I have had the moments where I know he's near but I look back and I see he's faithful and he knows what he's doing and he gives us just enough
I want to see lives changed for the kingdom, and I want as many people as possible to come to know the hope of the gospel, but also not only to come to know Jesus through the gospel, but then to make him Lord of their life and to see what I've seen in terms of decades of the Lord's hand guiding a life. And that's a journey that we're all on, and we're all in different places on that journey. But um, that's what I want my life to be about. If we're not careful, we can view our lives through our own understanding of things. But God invites us to something better. He invites us into a life that doesn't always make sense and to trust Him in the middle of it anyway. You may be in the middle of a circumstance that doesn't make any sense to you at all. But Kirk's story, along with stories told and retold through the pages of Scripture, all point to a God who is working out a plan in us, through us, for His glory. And our invitation is to simply trust in Him as the author of our stories and then to watch him create the results for everything that happens in every area of our lives. Trust him. In the light, in the dark, he's got you, guaranteed. We've seen God do some tremendous work in the lives of our families, and they're loving their wives, they're loving their children, and they're being good men, both on and off the field. I think God is just my everything. He's been my crutch to lean on so many times when things are going bad. Uh, But I think that constantly refocusing on him is what's allowing me to continue to be on the straight and narrow and and continue to be successful on this team. I'm a sinner, um, but at the end of the day, his grace is is so sufficient um, in my life and has been, and not just in my life, but my family's life. I think God in in my season of life right now is, uh, you know, he's done some heavy work in my life the last couple of years and helped me kind of discover who I am on a deeper level and, and as a man of God and as a father, as a husband. These days I'm discovering God to be uh, really my my provider, my protector, my healer. It's just amazing the work that, he, that he's doing in my life and my family's life. This year I tore my ACL and so that obviously put into the season, but um, being able to every day work towards finding that, that joy in life that um, only comes from the spirit, there's, there's growth happening. Nothing in the NFL is promised. So waking up with the faith every day that God is in control, that he loves you, and that he's going to take care of you no matter what. It gives you a peace of mind to to operate on a daily basis. We try to do what we can by leading by example and hopefully building relationships. Therefore, we're able to feed into the guys' lives and do the best we can just for the kingdom of God. I'd like to introduce you to my wife, Kirsten. Hey, everyone. It's great to be with you today. Kirsten and I have learned a lot in our marriage about Jesus. And one thing we've learned is that at the heart of Christ is the reality of pouring the love of God into the lives of others. We receive the love of God in Christ, and then we give it away to the world. Case and Kimberly Keenum have made a commitment to do exactly that, wherever, whenever. Jesus calls this discipleship. And I'm really excited to give you a glimpse into the lives of Case and Kimberly Keenum. first memories of each other uh, we played flashlight tag throughout the church you know at night I remember seeing her run back to base and not not remembering her name exactly but her older brother Brandon who I was better friends with at the time I said uh, I, I got you Brandon's little sister 
And uh, I turned around and I said, that's not my name. And I ran to base. I don't know if that was the start of our <laughs> romance, but uh, it was definitely one of our first memories of each other. You know, coming into to college, I was consumed by football. Um, you know, was, I'm a competitive person. You know, when it didn't come easy, uh, you know, I struggled with it. You know, throwing one bad pass at practice or having a mistake, you know, here or there, uh, you know, really consumed me. And it was a lesson I, I, I continually learned from freshman year all the way up to senior year when I hurt my knee that I was not just a, a football player that happened to be a Christian. I was a Christian who happened to play football. Jesus really commanded us. It was his very last breaths before he left earth. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the best parts of that verse, one that really struck home for us, is that word go. It's not just not just go, but it's as you are going. So uh, for me as a football player, uh, for her as a, as a wife, um, you know, whether you're a businessman, teacher, you know, construction work, whatever you're doing, um, you know, as you are going, as you are doing those things, make disciples. It's not slapping them in the face with the Bible, but living our life as close as we can to chasing after Jesus. You know, coming out of college, I was un undrafted, signed Houston Texans, signed with the St. Louis Rams, signed back to the Houston Texans at the end of that year, and then traded back to the St. Louis Rams. Moved with the St. Louis Rams to L.A. and then signed with the Minnesota Vikings and then this past season signed with Denver Broncos. Moved four times in one year, right? Six times in seven. <laughs> Any place we've been, I, I never want to leave that place without giving the best I've got, without getting to know as many women as I possibly can. I don't want to waste that year. I want to help point others to Jesus no matter what I'm doing. And that is absolutely our goal as we are going. You know, one of those big things that we've um, you know, prayed about and talked a lot about is, is having kids, having children. You know, a few years ago, decided that we were, you know, not going to not try anymore. You know, and then a few years passed by and, you know, nothing was, nothing was really going. So we started to get a little more serious about it. And uh, over the course of a, a few, you know, bumps in the road, some, some different uh, procedures, some different things that we've had to go through, um, you know, we're still praying that God's, you know, plan has, has children for us. kids is not going to give me this ultimate happiness. Like, yes, it's going to be so joyful and amazing. And I cannot wait for hopefully the Lord to provide that in our lives. But I still feel like he's just teaching us so much to find the ultimate joy in him and in him alone and just peace in him. And I feel like the Lord has us in this time to be able to just have extra time to pour into other people. So many women do feel shame 
and do struggle with it so much and go through a lot more than what we've been through. And I just don't want to go through this time, like we were saying earlier, to be a waste. Like I want to be able to still help point somebody to Christ through the midst of it. Like I don't want to wait till I'm on the outside of it. I want in the midst of it, as we're going, to help another woman going through this. And I understand it stinks, but like God has purpose no matter where we're at in our life. a doubt in our mind that God's plan is so much better than anything that we ever imagined. Last year we experienced two miscarriages and what I learned is that it's so much easier to stay silent and be isolated. But for the sake of others going through the same challenges, the Kenans are sharing their story for the encouragement of others. And I love that they're pouring Christ into people even in the middle of their own personal uncertainties and trials. And they're telling their story from the middle, with no conclusion, something most of us would rather not do. And the Kenyans refuse to allow any day to be a wasted day, because the love of God is way too important to keep silent. I'm challenged to quit making excuses based on my circumstances, and to become someone who carries the love of God into my world, no matter what I'm going through. What goes on here that's so special is the brotherhood in this locker room. You know, we've, we've got a lot of men in this locker room that are truly invested in uh, the relational side of things. There's no better group of guys I think that I could, you know, be on a team with them right here. Our culture here in New England is better because of the kind of men Bill and Robert have brought into our building and the way that they've impacted societies and churches and they don't leave anyone the same way. Everything that we do is for Jesus and um, he, he's everything. Everything that we do on the field, everything that we do with our families, everything that we do out there in the practice field is uh, we try to do it for his glory. You know, it's hard sometimes in the sport. You lean on your own understanding a little bit and, uh, you know, think you've got it all figured out and all under control and that's not really the case. Before I came to Christ, I was living so much for myself and uh, that's something that I continue to work on every single day. I'm not perfect. None of us are. I've definitely seen, you know, shifts um, work in my life and that's all through knowing him and having the Holy Spirit work through me. God's my everything. I mean, I'm in this position because of him. I mean, you thank him daily, wake up every morning, and I mean, that's the first thing I do just because, I mean, none of this is possible without him. He's proven himself to be so faithful this year. He's grown marriages, families, relationships, and that's so much more exciting than, than football going to the Super Bowl, even though we'll take that. But, uh, um, man, he's been really faithful this year. I re-signed with New Orleans this season, a city I played in before. And when I heard that DeMario Davis would be playing for the Saints too, I was excited because I know what he brings on and off the field. DeMario is a true leader. His personality draws people to himself, and then he redirects that toward God. But it wasn't always that way. This is DeMario's story. first year I played football, I played running back. I went out and scored like, you know, 50 touchdowns in a year. Our team went undefeated all the way to the championship game, and I just kind of knew uh, then that football was a possible avenue for success for me. Going into my ninth grade year, I'm introduced um, to marijuana. I'm introduced to alcohol. I'm introduced to uh, sex. This is a 14-year-old kid uh, dealing with this stuff, and I didn't have a father figure around to teach me, you know, what all that meant. 
All I had was to look to were the guys in the streets, which was drug dealers, guys who had criminal records, and I was looking up to those guys. So I just figured I was supposed to do what they did. I wanted to show them that I wasn't scared, that I wasn't uh, afraid to be a bad boy or whatever. I just wanted to impress them. I tried to jack um, another kid for his wallet. I tried to steal his wallet in the hallway and I ended up getting in trouble and getting um, expelled from school. I remember my mom calling me on the phone and just hearing her brokenness when she answered the phone, you know, just like, DeMario, what have you done? And when she said that, it was almost to the point of, you have messed up your life. And I remember uh, being out running the streets with some of my friends, and we were breaking in cars. I punched the window, and I cut my arm up. And I have this uh, serious gash in my arm. And I felt like this was the first time I heard an audible voice from God. And he said, that's strike number two. The first strike was you getting kicked out of school. The second strike is you almost killed yourself tonight. If it would have been a few inches down, I could have gashed my wrist and died that night. That scared me to the point of, from the rest of my junior and my senior year, I cleaned up my act. I get to college, but the fruit of my life still isn't changed. I get back and I'm a, all of a sudden I'm at this college and now I'm a small fish in a big pond. So I feel like I gotta prove myself all over again. So I go back to drink and I go back to smoke and I go back to partying. And I land myself in jail. We stealing groceries out of Walmart. And I just remember looking around and like, whatever I'm trying to do with my life, it isn't working. I had a chance to make it out. And now my coach can take my scholarship and I'd be sent back home. And I, and I messed up my opportunity before I even played a snap on the field. Fortunately, the coach did not kick me off the team. He gave me another chance. Because a little while later, our team chaplain, who I've been going to Bible studies with, he started to spend time with me in the Word. He was talking about, you know, these radical ideas that I had never even thought about. And then he started to show me in the Bible that matched exactly what he was saying. And I never had looked at the Bible in that light. A good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. And he was talking about, this is talking about your heart. But my whole theory with God was, at the end of the day, God, you know I got a good heart. Well, this was showing me that I had a bad heart because nothing but bad fruit was coming from my life. But then he told me something that was reassuring and encouraging. He said, God will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that night I went home and I was scared and I just prayed. It was the most sincere prayer I had ever prayed. I said, God, I need a new heart. That's all I said. The next day I was hoping that everything would change. I woke up and by the end of the day I was doing a lot of the same stuff I had been doing. And I was like, man, you said that God would give me a new heart if I asked. He said, if you ask for a new heart, God will honor it and God will give it to you. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but he's going to give it to you. The message started to resonate, and I started to understand why Jesus had to die on the cross. He had to pay for those sins, and until we get a new heart, we can't fix what's coming out of us. And that God wants to come inside of us and clean us so that he can draw us back to himself. And, and it was like he was taking the scales off my eyes. At that moment, he removed the taste of alcohol from my mouth. He didn't remove marijuana and sex right then, but... I said, God, you're the Lord of my life, and I'm going to choose to serve you. When you want to move these things, you will. And he did. A little bit later, um, he removed marijuana, and then uh, I was in an imperial relationship for five years. God broke it. He was like, it's time to get out of this. And I got out of that relationship. For two years, I walked in purity. I dated my wife, and then we were married a year and a half later. And that was the first time I'd ever did a relationship the right way. And to say that I've done that now and then look at the, the benefits of uh, a blessed relationship and our marriage of after four years and our, our beautiful children, just to see that the fruit that's come from it, 
You just understand God is a God of order, and when we do things in His order, He can bless them more. I let go and I said, God, I'm trusting you. I don't know where you're going to take me. And He's brought me closer and closer to Him. DeMario's story is a great example of how God pursues us. It's a relentless pursuit of kindness, truth, and love. And DeMario needed God, even though he didn't realize it. And it may be the same for you today. All out, all in. It's not just a battle cry for football players. It's God's battle cry toward us too. The cross of Jesus Christ proves it. And the resurrection of Jesus gives it more power than anything else in our lives. We see it in Kirk Cousins as he trusts God when things don't make sense. We see it in the kingdom's life as they refuse to allow any day to be wasted because the love of God is too important for them. And finally, we see it in God's unrelenting pursuit of DeMario. And now, the invitation goes out to you. What would it look like for you to go all out in your pursuit of God? And what would it take for you to be all in when it comes to the life he's inviting you to live So on behalf of myself and Kirsten, of Kirk and DeMario and the Kingdoms, and finally from everyone on the Football Sunday team, may you experience the love of Christ richly and profoundly. And may you take one step closer today to following in the footsteps of Jesus as he leads and guides you. It's been my pleasure to spend this time with you. Enjoy the game and have a great day. Bye.